Hello, world. I'm happy to be virtually joined with uh, Lori Cheek. She's a tech entrepreneur, uh, an architect, former New York City resident, dating app creator. Lori, you wear a lot of hats. And um, I assume during the Derby, you wear one of those fancy hats as well. Every year, even this year when it was canceled, I was still wearing my big hat on Derby Day. So welcome. You moved out of New York recently. Talk to us about why that was. It seems like tens of thousands of people in exodus from New York. Uh, what was your reason? <laughs> well, I I pretty much joined a cult about COVID back in February. So I, I got really freaked out and I packed up uh, early March and I kept delaying leaving. But on March 5th, I read an article about how this virus could come through some pretty faulty plumbing in older buildings. And I, I lived in one of those on the Lower East Side. So I freaked out <laughs> and uh, left the next morning. So I rented a car. I didn't want to fly. And I drove 12 hours to Kentucky and didn't plan on staying. But a couple months into it, I realized I didn't want to host Airbnb guests in my apartment, which is how I paid my rent. And I had some movers go up and get my stuff. And now I'm a Louisville, Kentucky resident. Never thought I'd be here, but <laughs> here I am. I've been following you on Instagram, and it seems like you're enjoying your time there, riding bikes, having a beer as a, a gift for that ride, right? So it <laughs> seems like you have a good time. <laughs> I'm, do I'm doing the best I can. It's, uh, it, it's just hard because I'm such a social person, and I'm not having that social life that I miss out on in New York so badly right now. But other than that, I'm entertaining myself. What else do you miss about New York other than your go-to dive bar? Or dive bar not appropriate? <laughs> it's not a dive bar. Yeah, it's, it's like a pub. It's a neighborhood pub. Yeah, I really miss that. But I miss the people that were part of that experience more than anything. I mean, they were like my little New York family. And I don't know. I miss city biking all over the place. I miss just walking aimlessly around those streets. I miss popping into Whole Foods every day. I miss going to the gym. I just miss New York. I miss the magic. Just for a shout out, what was it bar called? Marshall Stack. And I'm just, yeah, I've, <laughs> I miss that place so badly. And they've opened up the streets and they've got live music all the time and cooking burgers outside. And now all my friends are meeting up there and I'm, I'm the missing lone wolf that's no longer there. But And I'm sure they miss you as well. So I ran into you and I don't know if you recall this, but I ran into you Around 2012, 2012, 2013, um, it was at like a tech uh, party. It was at, uh, it was in Union Square. Innovators, entrepreneurs were all, it was, it was like a networking situation. You handed me a card, uh, like a business card, and mm -hmm. I looked at it and it's, it had cheeks in, in a cool font, by the way. I love your font. Thank you. And you could describe it better, but uh, it was a dating app, a dating uh, site where if you have a misconnection or and if you wanted to connect with somebody that you thought was interesting but didn't want to speak or if you were nervous, you could just hand them a card and they could find you online. Yeah, that's pretty much the gist of it. But I just think in New York, there were so many opportunities where it was just awkward to walk up to someone. So this was just a subtle way of handing a note to a, an intriguing stranger that pretty much said, I want to see you again. So it was a little bit like slipping a, a love note to someone when you're in the second grade, but 
for adults. In the fifth grade, I used to write on a piece of paper, do you like me, with the check boxes. So, yeah. um, you know, and your idea was entire tech version of, of that. Can you talk, talk to us about what gave you the inspiration? It was such a good idea, and it still is. So I was out to dinner with an architectural colleague. I guess that was about 13 years ago. And we were at a restaurant. I went to the restroom. And when I came back, he'd scribbled on the back of his business card, want to have dinner. And he flipped that to a woman as we were leaving the restaurant. And I couldn't stop thinking about the non-intrusive gesture of handing that card to this woman with his note on the back. But I wanted to remove the business out of his business card and have this card that was like this date card. So I don't know. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And a year later, I got some partners on on board. And a year after that, in May of 2010, we launched Cheat. And then it became a whole thing where there was a deck of these dating cards and they didn't have any personal information. It just had a code. So the recipient could hand in that, type in the code and find your profile on the website. And they had all these cute, funny pickup lines on them. So that was... That was the genesis. I feel like entrepreneurs, especially someone like yourself, it takes a certain breed of person to be that way, to hustle that hard, to be so confident in yourself and your idea to make mistakes and then still come back stronger and keep fighting. Growing up in Louisville, I'm just curious about, you know, did you have like a newspaper route? Did you sell like lemonade when you were younger? Like where did that entrepreneurship hustle mentality come from? Well, I actually grew up about 40 miles outside of the city. So I grew up on a farm and uh, I was not really around anything that seemed like a city. Um, But my parents were very entrepreneurial. They were both in the education system. But I remember thinking, what, like, what don't they do? Like, they had a farm machinery company. They collected antiques, uh, owned some grocery stores, a gas station, all sorts of crazy stuff. And I think I just watched them, you know, having these full-time jobs, but also doing all this stuff that they, they like to do on the side. So I think that's where I got my initial bug. And um, you know, even in college, I used to make jewelry and I would sell it to some of the local craft stores. And I think that was sort of my first business when I was 17 years old. And after that, I just kept coming up with ideas over the years, but none of them were strong enough to leave my 16-year career in architecture the way I did when I did it. So you went to University of Kentucky, you're a wildcat, correct? Yeah, yeah. And you went into architecture, you worked for Dior, was that right after college or was that, um, oh, that you know, was a few jobs years, down the line? Yeah, that was a few jobs down the line, but that was a pretty cool job doing store planning and design for Dior, who was one of, my, one of my favorite designers at the time. In terms of getting initial investments from groups, how did you do that? What was your process? Of, you, know, you had a great idea. And you obviously have to do a pitch and then you have to get people to invest in your dream. How did that work? What was your procedure on that? Well, I bootstrapped the business early on. And then I ran into a lot of financial struggles throughout with just like hiring the wrong tech people to build my website. And finally, I ran out of money and had to get serious about raising capital. So I think I must have run this business by at least 50 investors and some were slightly interested. I had a couple of investors that actually made some offers, but they ultimately weren't the right partner. And uh, 
then I <laughs> found out about that show, The Shark Tank. Yeah, let's talk about that. So that was in 2014. And Shark Tank gives you a, a huge platform, which is a positive or it could be a negative. We'll get to that as well. But you're in the national spotlight. Uh, at the time, you had, what, like a thousand subscribers on Cheek? Yes. <laughs> which sounds like a joke, but you know, I really believed in this idea and I just didn't have the money to get the word out. And you went on the show and was that a difficult uh, process? Did you have to go through a lot of interviews? Cause I know, I know people that have been on Jeopardy and it was just a, like a month, months and months long process. So I say I could have had a law degree by the time <laughs> I got onto that show. Like it was intense. I mean, a friend of mine, in Texas sent me the link one day and said, you know, your idea is perfect for this show. And it really was. And that wasn't the first person that had told me that. And I never even watched the show. I mean, I knew what it was, but she sent me the link and said, they're actually accepting applications for next season. Why don't you apply? So I did it online, closed my computer, pretty much forgot I'd done it. And then a few months later, I got the phone call. <laughs> like I couldn't even believe it. And then it took nine months from that point, I think, till I got myself walking down that scary hallway. What jumps out at me from that episode is not only your complete confidence in the project, but your style is amazing. You're so on point with your style. I just want to throw that out there. Thank you. <laughs> you didn't get any investors, but Barbara Corcoran said that you're the, I'm just going to paraphrase here, but she said that you're the right type of entrepreneur, but the idea wasn't right for her. And, and that's a good compliment, I think. So what did you learn from your experience on Shark Tank? Well, you know, even when they had all gone out, I really didn't care. And the reality of the number of people that were watching that show, which usually has about 8 million viewers in that season, at least, um, that's worth $8 million ad dollars. And they even came to New York to do the whole bio filming. So I, I had that whole story. So that's another minute. Um, mm -hmm. It took 10 hours to film, by the way. Um, anyway, I just thought about the, these people watching the show. There had to be someone out there that was going to get it if these five sharks didn't. And the other thing is the sharks, I mean, they were 50, 60 years old. They're married. They're all married. They mm -hmm. don't know what it's like to be single in this day and age and how difficult it is for people to meet each other. I don't think they've ever had to be on any sort of dating service. And, you know, they're multimillionaires, billionaires. So <laughs> it's just a lot easier for them, I imagine. And they, I just don't think they saw my vision. And even I think I said something pretty stupid when I told Mark Cuban that I could change the population with my business. And then he... <laughs> He said I was delusional and immediately went out. But he was the one that I think got the idea the most. So mm -hmm. I just think I messed up. So who knows what would have happened. But um, yeah, but I did learn that maybe I needed to sit back and take a look at what was going on with the idea and the lack of customers. And that's exactly what I did. And within, mm -hmm. um, within a month of the show airing, my partner and I... We're already sitting down with some new developers to talk about the, the pivot that we were about to, to bring into the business. And the pivot was using Bluetooth technology, right? Kind of like a GPS type situation. Well, you know, the whole idea of my business was trying to take the online out of online dating, but still leveraging technology to make real life connections. And I realized these people were getting these cards and they were more of a novelty than anything. So I'd find people that had bought them forgot where they put them or they'd be carrying them around in their wallet and they'd get all soiled or 
crushed or damaged and nobody wanted to hand out this crinkly card or they'd end up in the back of someone's drawer. And when somebody really needed one, they didn't have one handy. So, you know, it was this physical card that I think became a a barrier. So we tried to, we went eco-friendly and came up with the idea of Bluetooth, which made the most sense because it's an immediate right here, right now in a 30 foot radius. You could know who was in the room with you that was also single and also on the app. So you could either start this conversation in person or you could send them a little message. But, you know, I thought the beauty of this was the number of people that I would cross every day on my bike. There's no way you would stop on a bike while someone's running past you to try to meet that person. But that Bluetooth would still pick up those two people's connection. And when you get home, you could see all those people that you passed in a day. So I don't know. There was a... And you had filters. So they tell you like if these people pass those filters. Yes, exactly. This was pre-COVID. It was good timing to switch that up when you did because like right now, there's no way you could pass a, a hard card to somebody these days. Well, yeah, that's true. But there's also a major barrier with this because, you know, the, the real place that this will do its magic is in a really crowded, compact area like a nightclub or a coffee shop Mm. or even the gym where there's lots of people crammed together and then you'd be getting all sorts of connections. But, you know, now that we're distancing, Bluetooth isn't doing what it could be doing in normal times. But I mentioned earlier about the the positives and the negatives of being on a show with 8 million viewers like Shark Tank. One of the negatives is that it hasn't just happened to you, but happened to other people, frivolous lawsuits. And this is something that I want to talk to you about, you know, not get too deep into it. But there was a, a case that was dismissed in 2018 from Mr. Peary. He stated that you stole his idea that he had back in 2006. He had a therapist and, uh, you know, that therapist told you about it and you stole his idea. Yeah, talk to us about that and, and how that has affected you. Well, it's pretty much destroyed my life for the past few years. Um, This lawsuit, well, there's three lawsuits that I've been dealing with from this same person, and they've cost over $114,000 to fight. And the truth is, I have never met that therapist. I had no idea who she was. I had to look her up on LinkedIn to even make sure I'd never seen her before. And he's not even claiming that I was in therapy with this woman. He's claiming we're friends. And I don't know. I'm an artist. I have never had any friends in this sort of field in my life. She lived three hours outside of Manhattan, from what I know. Yeah, it's crazy. I've Someone was just sitting there watching a rerun of my Shark Tank. And three years later, I got a million dollar lawsuit. They got thrown out. And I thought that was going to be done forever. So then I got a second lawsuit. This one was for $5 million. And that one's still ongoing. And then, um, you know, I went to the press with this story and I tried to bring um, bring light to what was happening to me. I had a patent on this idea, but for some reason that patent didn't protect me. That patent is what this man was coming after. So instead of it protecting me, it sort of did the opposite. Um, I wish I'd never gotten that patent. That's one negative thing about this, you know, this the greatest country in the world is that so many people are litigious. Uh, even nonsensical lo- lawsuits like this can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, I don't want to get too far into to Mr. Peary because the defamation suit's a $5 million suit, correct? No, the de- that's the third one that has now been dismissed in, in uh, state court. But that one was for $10 million. I mean, I actually, I had to leave New York because I couldn't pay my rent. 
Um, <laughs> so I don't know where $10 million would come from after, you know, we've spent so much money fighting this this far. I'm, I'm packed. That's crazy. Sorry for, for all that you're going through. No, it's surreal. I know you spoke at Microsoft and I know you do a lot of interviews speaking with prospective entrepreneurs and innovators. What would you tell somebody that's in college or just graduated that want to get into the hustle and bustle of entrepreneurship and funding? You have a lot of experience in, in that world. What would your advice be? Well, my fundraising story has definitely been very atypical of uh, how I think it, it should have gone. Um, but, you know, I feel like I was even in the beginning of the New York tech scene. So there, this whole startup thing was just starting to take off when I got started. Um, you know, we got covered in the New York Times early on. And Alan Patrikoff, who's one of the most famous investors in the United States, had one of his minions reach out to me on Facebook about coming into his office. And I remember walking into that office feeling like I was on that movie, uh, Working Girl with Melanie Griffith. Like, with the big shoulder pads? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and I just thought I've got gold in my hands. And then Oprah Winfrey studio reached out to us after that. So I don't know, my path has been definitely atypical. Um, and it was really hard to get funding. And actually, how I did end up raising money was a guy that has been watching me and did some work for me years ago, many years ago, came to me right before I went to film the Shark Tank. And he wanted to buy out my old business partners and get involved. And he ended up funding my business a lot more than I asked for on the Shark Tank. So he was my angel investor and just an angel in general to me. And he's my current partner to this day. But I would say that entrepreneurship is definitely not for the light of heart. Uh, you've got to be super resilient, um, super determined, and there's going to be failure after failure after failure. Like you can just, you cannot build a business and not expect to fail. And like, I didn't even have a, any business background at all. I had no business building a business, but I feel like I gave myself an MBA by building one. So, I mean, it's been a, an incredible learning experience. It's been the journey of a lifetime. I mean, even after what I've been hit with over the past few years, I say I could be the poster child for that age old phrase, what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. So at this point, mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Just what, I don't know what the world wants to bring at me now. But it's, uh, it's definitely been a ride of a lifetime. It's a really cool opportunity if you can just hustle hard enough to get through it. Just from an outsider, just watching how you've been doing and your mentality and your personality, you're the one person that could definitely fight through this and succeed. Well, thank you. And I'm, you know, I'm still super inspired. I, it's like after all of this, this business is almost 11 years old and I cannot give up at this point. I mean, I've made the joke that I'm going to be in a nursing home one day on my cane and I'm still going to be talking about this business or hustling it in some way. But, um, you know, even right now I'm thinking of ways to pivot this Bluetooth technology into something that makes a lot more sense for people that are dating in this distant way. And, you know, I'm sitting here flipping through all these other apps right now, like Bumble and Tinder, just trying to get a, an idea of what people actually need or want by reading people's profiles or watching their behavior when it comes to dating in a town like Louisville. So I don't know. I'm I'm still not giving up. I'll figure something out. Like dating and love, it's one of those things where there's opportunity out there. You just got to find the right one. There's people that would spend no matter what amount of money just to find that right person. So yeah, I have full confidence in you and it's out there. Like Bumble, Coffee Meets Bagel, Hinge, all those sites. 
it just came from an idea and they're all succeeding. So I'm buying stock in Lori Cheek. <laughs> As you should. I think I'm a good investment. And that's why I've invested in myself for so many years. I did a deep dive into your social. Tell us the story about how you met the star of the greatest Christmas movie of all time, Bruce Willis. How did that <laughs> unlikely friendship happen? <laughs> so I guess that was right before. I think I had the idea for Cheek. And I remember I was visiting with one of my best friends from San Francisco. We were on the sixth floor of the Soho house in the meatpacking district. And we were toasted. Like, we did not need another drink. And the bartender at Soho House, who was a pretty good friend of mine at the time, he walked over to me and said, Lori, uh, Bruce wants to send you a drink. What, what do you want? And I'm mm. like, no, I'm, I'm okay. I don't, I don't need anything else to drink. <laughs> and he was an actor. And he was so funny. Like, he came back over two more times insisting that I tell him what I wanted to order. So finally, he was like, Lori, Bruce Willis wants to send you a drink. What the beep do you want? And I was like, okay, I guess. So I better just get a champagne. So the next thing I know, I, he's bringing a bucket of Rube Clicquot out and I toasted the glass across the bar. And then I saw him like pop up off his stool to start walking over. And then my heart starts racing. I'm like, oh, okay, Bruce Willis is coming over here. And I remember him saying, hey, I'm Bruce. And I said, thanks for the wine. I was like, no, I, I know who you are. Okay, so what's the deal? Anyway, we hung out the whole night. And I remember people kept walking up to me like, how do you guys know each other? I, I don't know. We, just, we got along really well right from the start. So I don't know. Awesome. That was, yeah. 13 years ago and we've uh, kept in touch that's cool you still speak yeah i'm i think right before the pandemic started so then everything's just gotten weird but um you know i actually reached out to him with my gofundme campaign to help type his <laughs> lawsuit so he put me in touch with one of his lawyers in la big hollywood lawyer um just to give me some advice so i spoke to him and it's funny because oh. uh Bruce had ripped a hundred dollar bill in half that night that we first met. And when I met back up with him last April, he had the other half of that hundred dollar bill still in his wallet. <laughs> Running theme of these episodes, just speaking with people about their failures and then talking about how the failures made them stronger on the other end. You know, we've, we've been talking about this, these lawsuits and the shark tank. Uh, if there's anything else you want to discuss that something where you fell and then you became stronger on the other side, that'd be great to hear. I mean, there's one story from my childhood that I think is really interesting in that house that I just uh, moved back to when I first got back to Kentucky. But when I was 13, our house burned in the middle of the night. And uh, I mean, this has nothing to do with entrepreneurship, but yeah. we lost everything. My dog was in the basement. It was one of the coldest nights of the year. And I mean, in the history of Kentucky and uh, we lost everything. And I remember sitting down at the bottom of the hill, looking up at that house burning. And I was with my mom and dad and my brother. And at that point I realized this is all that matters was us. And so I sort of lost, I mean, I learned a lesson about material possessions. And, you know, I think even in my entrepreneur journey, it's like I had, I had saved up money from my 16 year career in New York. And I was like, okay, this is just money. So I decided to invest in this opportunity to build my own dream. And now I feel like I'm living the American dream. And that was investing in me. And, you know, that could, that could have bought me a house. That could have bought me who knows what. So I decided to invest in, in this experience. I think that's a message that everyone should hear. I mean, a lot of people, myself included, maybe regret's not the word, but would have loved to have taken a bigger risk at certain points of their lives. You're the epitome of investing in yourself and, and, and taking risks. 
works. And I think it's a message that everyone should hear. So we appreciate having you on today. Well, it's been fun chatting. So I want to give you the floor. I would love for you to speak with the audience about what's next for you, if you have any messages. Yeah, so what's next is trying to figure out what I'm going to do to change the game of our Bluetooth, because I have a feeling this this distancing thing isn't going to stop anytime soon. So I'm really spinning my wheels about how to turn this app into something that makes more sense in the time of uh, distancing. And my partner and I, And another gentleman had also started another app called Network. So it works in a similar way as Cheek. So it's a Bluetooth app for networking. So that's also out there. That's called Networked. And that's in both uh, Android and Apple. And what else? How do you spell that? It's Network, like the word network with a D on the end. So like it's great. And I'm also thinking of some ways, like I'm in a new city and I know some people here, but it's really impossible to meet new people in the middle of this. So... I'm sort of brainstorming about a way to make a distance meetup and perhaps do something physically outdoors once a week. So I don't know what that experience might be, but that's sort of what I'm brainstorming about right now as well. And um, I don't know. I just think if you've got a great idea that you can't stop thinking about, it's a little bit like falling in love. It's a little bit like giving birth. Um, And those are two things that you don't want to pass up in life. So I think entrepreneurship (laughs) is a pretty cool thing. If you've got an idea that you believe in enough, I'd say give up doubt, give up excuses and uh, surround yourself with some positive people and just bulldoze forward and bring your dream to life. That's a great message. Thank you so much. Uh, So before we go, do you know what the official dance is of Kentucky? I did some research on this. (laughs) Is it the Sadie Hawkins? It's clogging. I've never heard of it before. So I don't know if you have either. Well, that's like, um, that would be like tap dancing a little bit. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to look it up. uh, Yeah. Lori, thank you so much for taking the time. Good luck to you. I'll be watching all your next moves. You're really inspirational. So stay safe. And uh, thank you so much, much, Lori. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Peace.